on today's episode of the Blue Bloods. Uh, we're rolling into week eight of college football, and I hope it never ends. We have pick six, upsets of the week, storylines, hot takes, and we'll cap it all off with Brandon's gambling corner. We have a big show, as always, so let's go ahead and get it started. So to kick off our pick six segment this week, uh, we have number nine, Florida, visiting South Carolina. Florida comes in as a six-point favorite in this one. And I, I don't think there's any way that South Carolina can repeat what they did last weekend against Georgia. So Florida wins this game. I think they cover pretty easily. I also think they cover. Um, you know, a big question mark for me is, are there any hangover effects for either team I mean, you have South Carolina coming off a huge emotional win at Georgia, and then you have Florida coming off a crushing loss to LSU last week, which up until the late in the fourth quarter, they were one score away from, you know, being a tie ball game. So, you know, where where are these teams, you know, mentally, and how, you know, what are we expecting from these teams? Uh, you know, Kyle Trask played a huge game on the road last week week and he's stepped up throughout the season I mean he has almost 1200 yards 10 touchdowns three interceptions he has to continue to have success I think he will I agree with you Florida covers Florida wins this game I think two three scores yeah I can definitely see that one of the things I wanted to touch on was that South Carolina's win over Georgia last week I mean we all saw it we all saw the missed field goals I mean there were more than one of them uh, one from each team the one against uh, the one for Georgia was definitely – I mean, it kind of it kind of summed the game up and it kind of uh, put the nail in the coffin, uh, so to speak. But I think we can all yeah. kind of rule this win for South Carolina as almost a fluke win. Uh, Georgia didn't look all the way there, and this was probably a trap game for Georgia, a game that they were overlooking. Um, and I wasn't even surprised when I saw that Rodrigo Blankenship, Georgia's kicker, pulled that kick this past weekend. I mean, what kind of person wears glasses under their helmet? Let's go ahead and start with that one. Uh, you're already a kicker, so did you really need to double down by wearing the glasses? We all knew you were a nerd. And lastly, uh, I mean, I guess to cap off my ideas, uh, ever heard of contacts? Because you could do that. I don't. I mean, everyone else does, but you, you chose glasses. So that, that's a look. Georgia deserved to lose just basically uh, <laughs> off of that alone. I, I believe he was a walk-on, though, if I'm not mistaken. That makes it even Georgia worse was having, yeah. Georgia was having a lot of kicking problems right when Kirby Smart got there, and I believe 2015, 16, and he walked on and has turned into one of the better kickers in the SEC. But I agree, he needs to get rid of the glasses. It's it. I don't know. Maybe it's like Michael Strahan not getting his teeth fixed. It's just like his look now. He has to wear glasses forever. That's his look. Uh, I mean, at least he's doing something to correct his vision because I don't know if you saw this storyline about Jameis Winston in the NFL. Uh, this past weekend, he threw five interceptions and one touchdown. And apparently, he hasn't been wearing his contacts. So, he hasn't been able to – he can't really differentiate the teams. I don't know what's going on there. He just won't wear them. So, at least the, at least, at least Rodrigo Blankenship <laughs> doing something to correct his vision. That, dude, that is the most Jameis Winston thing I've ever heard. That makes so much sense. That <laughs> is Jameis Winston. <laughs> like, if you up. said – like, if you said Tom Brady forgot to wear your con- his context, I'd be like, you know, that's not believable. Like, he might have just had a bad day. But, like, Jameis Winston, definitely. that he is, he is something else. But, in my opinion, you know, Ron Helensky, I believe, will be back this game. As you guys know, the third-string quarterback is really the quarterback that beat Georgia in the second half in overtime, that's true. which blows my mind. But Ron, Hel- Ron Helensky is the future of the South Carolina team. I still think he needs more time to mature. In my opinion, Florida has way more talent than South Carolina, and they'll make enough plays to win this game. And 
they'll be ready for this game, in my opinion, because they saw what South Carolina did to Georgia. So they're not going to be sleepwalking through this game, and they're going to be ready to come out and play, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. And what you said about Kyle Trask was absolutely true, too. Um, at the beginning of the segment, you said that Kyle Trask has been improving every week up to now. I, I mean, that's, 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 I can't even argue with you on that. He's, he's, you know, he was kind of thrown into the system and made to play just all, straight off the bat in the Kentucky game. Uh, and ever since then, he's just looked incredible. I mean, I think his best week to date was last week against LSU. And, and he yeah. had this team leading in the third quarter. I mean, they, they were, I mean, Florida was beating LSU. Uh, 28-21 for a while there. And it, and it was all on the back of uh, Kyle Trask because, well, Michael Pirine wasn't doing anything. So I, th- I honestly think uh, – I do think Florida covers regardless of how well Michael Pirine plays. I think that winning by double digits or winning by 20-plus points, like you said, is going to depend on the running game this weekend. I do think that yeah. uh, Kyle Trask pulls out a win regardless of the running game, but – Winning by that margin is going to depend on what Michael P. Ryan can do on the ground. No doubt. So my final two thoughts on this are two just kind of random thoughts. My first one is, how pissed do you think CBS is that they didn't pick this game as an option for the 230 like, prom SEC game? Because they, oh, they, they probably didn't think South Carolina would beat Georgia, but this game's a lot more interesting than LSU-Mississippi <laughs> State. Oh, Mississippi yeah. State got beat 56-20 to 20 something by Auburn and then lost to Tennessee by double digits. What was funny to me no. about that is that CBS had a whole post bragging about this matchup they have between LSU and Mississippi State, this game that we've been dubbing the bye week for LSU, and they're, they're just so proud of it. Like, oh, yeah, we got yeah. LSU in prime time. Yeah, but they're playing Mississippi State. Yeah, that's embarrassing, man. I, like they, because you know CBS can only have one SEC team on their broadcast five times, yes. and you know you wasted a team like LSU that still has matchups with Texas A and M, Alabama, Auburn. You wasted another like why? Why did you even put them on there, man? Like because you know the LSU matchup, the LSU Auburn matchup was announced as the CBS game next week. You know you're wasting good teams, man. Like you, they need to start thinking because the Florida South Carolina matchup would have been a way better game at two thirty. Absolutely. But like you said, I mean, it's South Carolina and before this week or for this past weekend, I mean, who would have known that South Carolina was capable of that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely not. And then my final thought, another random thought, I really think Will Muschamp might've saved his job last week. You know, I, I, we, I think, I think we talked earlier in the season about him being maybe on the hot seat if stuff went South I think no matter what happens this season, as long as they make a bowl game, Will Muschamp will be back for another season. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, And definitely with a statement win like that one against Georgia, even if, I mean, like I said the last episode, even if Georgia loses a game in the middle of October, it seems like every single year, I mean, this this could have saved his job. I absolutely agree with you there. So let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup. Uh, We have number 12, Oregon, visiting number 25, Washington. Uh, it's really just a battle of the heavyweights in the Pac-12, and that's not saying a whole lot right now. <laughs> Oregon rolls into this one as a three-point favorite. I've got Oregon winning this game. I've got Oregon covering this game. Oregon could have been a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, and I still would have chosen Oregon to cover. I agree. I think they I think they just slaughter Washington. I mean, you know, this is Oregon's – this is another chance for Oregon to make a statement. I mean, since the Auburn game – they have they've been five and oh, three and oh in conference. That is that's amazing. And you know, on the on the flip side, Washington can end the Pac twelve's playoff hopes because I really don't think there's another option to make the playoffs outside of Oregon from the Pac twelve. So if Washington pulls the upsets, the Pac twelve, you know, you know, the people way up top in the Pac twelve conference are gonna be pissed because that is a wrap on their playoff hopes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and in my notes, all I wrote was uh, Washington had the kind of high hopes that Oregon has right now. I mean, I think Oregon's for real. And if Oregon does win this game um, and they have to win out, they could be a playoff team still, uh, you know, if they win the Pac-12. But I think Washington could have been on that level as well if they hadn't had they hadn't dropped one of the two losses that they've had so far to Cal or Stanford. I mean, those losses don't look great, either one of them alone. But I mean, if you if you lose one of those matchups, uh, you, you roll into bowl season eleven and one. You win the Pac-12 championship, so I guess you're twelve and one. I, I don't know how you count Washington out, but 
They, they, they did drop that game. Um, and I think it's a shame because I, I think that Jacob Eason's going to be the best quarterback on the field this weekend. Uh, so, so they had a limit. I really do. I mean, look, look at this. Over stats. Justin Herbert? Listen, Jacob Eason has been rolling this season. I mean, 17, he, he, dude, he, he had 1,700 yards passing. Oh, my God. Okay. Herbert has 1,600, so he has 100 more yards. Herbert right. has four more touchdowns and two less interceptions. Okay, but look at their schedules. Uh, Orcas played a way harder schedule. That's absolutely bananas. They played um, – Okay, I mean that Auburn has a, like what a top twenty-five defense. I mean, I guess, but I mean, but oh my god, dude, this is ridiculous. I, you know what? I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Okay, and and hang on, hang on. They played Stanford and Cal, correct? And those correct. are the two teams that beat Washington, right? Right. And they beat both of those teams by double digits. Okay, but what? But. That that leads but, into but, my but, next but, point. But, 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 that leads but, into my next it. point. Yes, <laughs> come on now. That leads into my next point. Oregon's defense is by far going to win this game for them. Oh yeah, they're no allowing, doubt. They're allowing eight points a game. I mean, that's through, that's okay. through seven weeks. Uh, a fun fact, guys: Oregon has only allowed twenty-five points since the Auburn game. They've allowed six points against Nevada. Three points against Montana, six points against Stanford, seven against Cal, three against Colorado. Yeah, that's that impressive. is twenty five. That's and, impressive. And they allow twenty seven against Auburn, and they've only allowed twenty five in the in the next five games. That is outstanding, and they're allowing opponents only to gain about two hundred and sixty yards per game. That is just that is ridiculous. That you know. We think of Oregon's explosive offense and, you know, the Chip Kelly days. This, you know, they hired Mario Cristobal, who was a Nick Saban assistant. He's got some defensive talent now. I mean, they, they had the five-star defensive end. Um, I forget his first name, but his last name's Thibodeau. And he was the number one recruit in the country a year uh, – what was it, last year? Or he was a top – at least two recruit a defensive end and right. Oregon's getting defensive talent and this defense looks spectacular especially to be a Pac-12 defense I mean we've we've bagged on the Pac-12 calling them the new Big 12 because of the defensive efforts that have looked just awful but I mean that's just the complete opposite for Oregon Oregon's defense I mean they're one of the strongest in the country for sure uh, that's why I think that's why I think they have to be a favorite in the Pac-12 from now on man I mean you know, defense. You know, they say defense travels. You know, it's great that Washington State can put up sixty-three and UCLA can put up sixty-seven. But what happens when you can't put that up? Is your defense good enough to stop the other team from scoring in low-scoring battles? We've seen Oregon win a seventeen-to-seven game, a twenty-one-six game. Their defense is that good, and that's why I think they are a real playoff contender this year. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, so, like I said, I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon covers. Uh, this team's for real. And, you know, I, honestly, if they beat this Washington team, I don't see them losing another game this year. This is going to be the toughest test they've had since Auburn. Uh, but it's – I don't – you know, Washington's not Auburn. Uh, so, I'll leave it at that. So, let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup. Uh, we have Duke at Virginia. Uh, this is our obligatory ACC matchup of the week. We didn't want to leave anybody out. And so we've got Duke and Virginia. Virginia is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Um, and I'll go ahead and let Zach give his thoughts on this one first. Ah, oh, man. I, this is – I don't even know, like, where to start, man. This this game is just – you know, if you're not a true football fan, guys, I know you probably don't care. Uh, you probably also don't have ACC Network to watch this game at 2.30. But, yeah, that, who goes? Uh, yeah, that's another just another talk, another debate, guys. But I I think Duke takes this. I think Duke has been on a roll since their loss to Alabama. All their wins have been double digits. Their only loss was to Pitt on the road by three points. And you know we've seen Pittsburgh knock off some pretty good teams and compete with a team like Penn State, who's number seven in the country right now. Uh, their offense has come alive. They got held. I believe it was what ten points against Bama, six points. And they're now averaging almost 35 points a game and almost 400 yards per game. That beautiful, the, you know, their quarterback, Quentin Harris, is my X factor for this game. Almost 1,200 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, only four interceptions, has, has five rushing touchdowns. 
He's going to be the X factor. He's going to make enough plays on the road, and Duke's going to take this game. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and get my thoughts on this one. Uh, and I know, like, I know that we like to keep this a clean podcast, but I'm about to use the P word. Is everyone ready? Virginia is phony. Uh, I don't like to throw that word around, but it's true. I think <laughs> I, I do think that they beat Duke, um, but I never thought Duke was that good. So I wonder if that makes sense. Wow. It probably doesn't. Uh, there was a point in the season where, I, where Virginia got my hopes up, but here I am, let down once again. And to cap off my thoughts on Virginia, Bryce Perkins is just not a good quarterback. Can we agree on that? I mean, he um, has, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> I mean, he has eight touchdowns and six interceptions on the season. The only quarterback who can have that kind of ratio and still trick me into thinking they're good is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so God. You know, that said, I don't think that Quentin Harris can keep carrying this Duke team on his back. I do think he's, you know, he's by far the best quarterback. He's probably the most talented player on the field this weekend in this matchup. Um, like you said, he, he's thrown for 1,200 yards for Duke this season. Not only that, but he's Duke's leading rusher with 400 yep. yards rushing, five touchdowns on 83 carries. So um, to this point, he's done very well, and he has kept this Duke team on his back, leading them to a 4-2 and two record halfway through the season. Um, but I just don't know if he can – I don't know if he can keep this up. Uh, but my dumb brain is going to trick me into picking Virginia, so – I usually try to fight it, but this week I'm just going to lean into it. I think they win, but I do think Duke covers. This is a really close game. I'm not sure how many points uh, Duke keeps it within, but whatever, it's going to be one, two, maybe three points in this game. God, um, I don't know, man. I It's tough because Virginia, you know, came into last week. I think they were, what, number 18 team in the country? Yeah. And they scored no touchdowns and got – beat by Miami coming off a loss to Notre Dame where they were kind of competitive, but not really, you know, I just, I don't know where this team's heads at. I don't know how they're feeling. Uh, You know, the only thing that does worry me is Duke's defense is not great, but if they use the Miami game plan, because Miami's defense wasn't great either, you know, they, I think they can make enough. I can make, I think they make enough stops against Virginia's offense to pull a close one out. Yeah, and I definitely see it. I'm not totally sold on my pick uh, here, but uh, I had to pick one of them, and so I chose Virginia. They've tricked me. If I see a number in front of a team at any point in the in, at any point in the season, I'm probably going to pick them when I'm uncertain. Uh, that's just how I work. It's how I operate. Uh, so, so I've been exposed. But I don't really have too much <laughs> more to say on this matchup. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, it'll probably be a good game, uh, but it won't be Maybe. a fun game to watch. As good as a game on the ACC network can be. I mean, no one's going to be able to see it. When I was trying to find games to pick for our pick six this week, uh, this game didn't even show up. I had to go look at the ACC like by themselves to be able to see this matchup. So that's that's a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup. Uh, it, it's a Big 12 matchup between number 18 Baylor, who is undefeated somehow, and Oklahoma State. <laughs> and Oklahoma State – how are they the favorite in this matchup? They're a three and a half point favorite. I don't understand, man. I mean, they're four and two, one and two in conference, and they're favorite, and they're a favorite over the six and zero, oh, three and zero oh in conference play. Baylor. I mean, yeah. is Boone Pickens Stadium worth three and a half points? I don't think so. No, I know that home field advantage usually is, but you know, I think there's an exception at some point. And this, I, thing, I don't this even, has to be the one. I think these are the same spread makers that made that like 17 and a half point Georgia over Notre Dame spread. Yeah, just no, nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, I don't know, but, man. But I, I do think that Baylor wins this game. Um, they're undefeated. Oh, wow. I don't, yeah, and I don't know if this is like me choosing Baylor because they're undefeated and I want things to go back to a simpler time. Uh, you know, like the time before Art Bryles were on his Joe Paterno Remembrance Tour when Baylor was actually winning football games and not doing <laughs> what Baylor did. So I want things to go back uh, to that time. It, it may be a nostalgia wow. thing for me. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I need Baylor to continue to be undefeated. I need someone else to be in this Big 12 race other than Oklahoma and Texas. And Texas is hey, kind of least- out of it, but everyone's going to keep them in because they're Texas. <laughs> Horns down, baby. Hey. Hey, at least Baylor didn't build a statue and have to tear it down. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Lord. That's a good point. But, I mean, Charlie Brewer has been 
the X factor for Baylor this year. I mean, throwing for over 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. You know, he's made plays toward the end of games to get them wins. I mean, three of their wins have been by less than 10 points. And the Kansas State game that they won by more than that was close till the second half when they pulled away. But I'm picking Oklahoma State in this game, and it's because Baylor is going to meet the true X factor, and that true X factor is Chuba Hubbard. He already has almost 1,100 yards rushing and 13 touchdowns. I mean, that's crazy. That is ridiculous. He has to carry the Cowboys to the game. Um, yes, Oklahoma State's the Cowboys, guys. I know some of y'all probably didn't know that. Y'all were like, wait, is this an NFL podcast now? It is not. <laughs> They're the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And the reason Chuba Hubbard has to carry this team to the game is because we know this god-awful quarterback for Oklahoma State, Sanders, will throw at least two interceptions. We all know it. Guys, it's going to happen. I already mentioned earlier in the show that there's only one quarterback that can trick me into thinking their ratio can still make them a good quarterback, and that's Trevor Lawrence. You can't throw 10 touchdowns and eight interceptions and be a good quarterback. I don't care if you've thrown for 1,300 yards this season. You're not a good quarterback, Spencer Sanders. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is the true X factor on this team. Everyone knows it. But I think Chuba Hubbard's finally going to face a somewhat – I'm not even going to say a good defense, but a somewhat decent defense. In, in they, they're allowing like 350 yards per game, bro. Yeah, but, but that's good for the Big 12. It's not actually. It's not good uh, for the Big Twelve. Uh, okay, I'll who's give you that. better in the Big guess, Twelve? Come on. I mean, Oklahoma looked pretty good last weekend. Okay. What? Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. That's it. Just eat the eat those words, bro. Uh, I, I those will words. never. I will never. <laughs> but Oklahoma State wins this game. Boom! Picking Stadium. You know, if if the spread makers are thinking that this is going to be an X factor, it needs to be a huge X factor. The fans are going to have to show up. That our, you know, we had a special guest on a while back, John Kurtz. He said this stadium is extremely underrated. You know, K State went in there undefeated. They knocked them off. I think this is the second straight undefeated team that Oklahoma State knocks off at home. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not super far fetched. Like I said, I I picked Baylor because I want I, I want things to go back to when uh, when when times were good and so forth so i've got baylor hopefully they can keep uh hopefully they can stay undefeated and maybe scare oklahoma a little bit i mean they're not going to beat oklahoma of course but, uh, <laughs> someone has to i don't know who but it's probably gonna be out of conference uh yeah but let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup uh this is our fifth matchup in our uh pick six we have arizona state who's ranked number 17 going up against number 13, Utah, in a Pac-12 wow. matchup. Now, our second Pac-12 wow. heavyweight matchup. Was, uh, and that, that's, that's sarcasm for anyone who can't catch it. And Utah's a 14-point favorite. I can't believe this is the second ranked-on-ranked matchup for the Pac-12 in one week, man. That blows my mind. Yeah. Um, uh, they're so floating Yeah, but really and truly, I think Arizona State may be the most overrated number 17 team that has ever existed in my life. Uh, They are – I don't know, man. Their chances in this game depend on which offense shows up. You know, they scored 38 points against Washington State. I don't know how impressive that is. I don't think it's very impressive. They also scored 10 points against Michigan State. And the way Michigan State has looked, that is looking worse and worse. And then here's the kicker, guys. They scored 19 points against Sacramento State. <laughs> Did y'all even know Sacramento State? No, That's no. what I was about to say. Like, <laughs> God, man. And that was at home to open the season. Like, you, you should have all – you should – I don't know, man. That that really bothered me. And, you know, you they come in to, um, you know, Utah. I don't know who wants to travel to Utah. I don't. But they're facing an extremely balanced Utah team, man. I mean, the defense is allowing 270 yards per game and only 13 points per game. And the offense is putting up almost 500 points per – I mean, 500 yards per game and 35 points per game. That's insane. I think Utah is the clear second-best team in the Pac-12, and this is going to be a slaughter. Yeah, um, and I think people forget – I mean, Zach Moss is a great running back for Utah – um, 514 yards on the on the season. I, I mean, going up against uh, Chuba Howard, like we just 
talked about. I mean, that's nothing. He has half the yards, six touchdowns. People forget that Tyler Huntley is their quarterback, and he hasn't thrown an interception yet this year. Um, he's thrown for 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns. You know, these aren't like Heisman numbers by any means. I mean, we have quarterbacks throwing 27, 25 touchdowns already this season. But this Utah team, it, they're pretty high-powered on offense, and their defense is, is really good. I mean, allowing fewer than 14 points a game. Um, I don't think there's any way that Utah loses this game. Um, I do think Arizona State covers, but I more than anything, I, get, I think this game is going to be boring. Um, I mean, it's a Pac-12 game. <laughs> There's supposed to be no defense, but these teams obviously didn't get the memo, so I guess we'll see how this one goes. Um, the most exciting thing about this game will probably be watching whatever weird things Herm Edwards does on the sideline or his post-game presser or wherever he's at. That's just a – he's an interesting guy. Um, but, I mean, Utah's been playing really well since their loss to USC, and I guess I could say the same thing about Arizona State since their loss to Colorado. Uh, this game will be – somewhat close and you know i don't know if it's gonna be super close but i think utah wins this one arizona state covers and that's really all my thoughts on this one yeah that's a wrap for me i mean my x factor i mean took my thunder but uh <laughs> mine was tyler huntley i mean i think he's the most under one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country i think he's makes the plays while they focus on zach moss and utah covers so i'm saying they win by 20 30 points Okay. All right. Well, let's hope for the sake of everyone who wants to see an exciting game or a lot of points scored. Uh, so finally moving on to our final matchup and our pick six, we have number 16, Michigan uh, visiting Penn state ranked number seven in the country. Penn state is a nine point favorite. Penn state wins this game for sure. But I don't know if the people who made this spread have been watching Penn state at all this season, but I don't think that they've, I mean, not against any, like, decent teams anyway, have won a game by more than 10 points. I mean, we see them uh, coming off of their game last week against uh, against Iowa. They won, what, by five points? It was 17 to 12. Yep. I don't – they're – you know, it's a, they have a great, great defense uh, at Penn State. Their offense isn't, like, totally overpowered by any means, but their defense is going to win this game for them, uh, I think, at least. Yeah, I actually have Michigan taking this game. Yeah, that's, uh, that's stupid. I know it's a whiteout. You know, it's a big deal. But, I, I mean, Penn State's lost their whiteout for, what, two straight years now? Jeez. Uh, so, that doesn't really count. Um, but it really count. So, Penn State has a huge chance to make a statement, though. Uh, you know, this will be their second-ranked win and a chance to move up in the polls even more. I mean, you know, they're already number seven in the country. That. If they win this game, they need to start being taken seriously as a playoff threat. You know, and I think that if they do win, people will. And I think some people already are. They wouldn't be number seven if they weren't. And another big on the flip side, you know, you have Michigan who is looking to redeem themselves. Uh, huge loss to Wisconsin on the road. Harbaugh's gone if he loses this game. Just going to say that. And <laughs> – if they win, they have a chance to re-enter the playoff conversation because they still have a game. A, you know, everyone knows about the Ohio State game that's coming, and you know, a lot of the teams in front of them still have to play each other. So Michigan could sneak back into the playoff conversation. Yeah, they definitely could. Um, I don't think that they will. I, I just think this Penn State, uh, this Penn State team's defense is just too good at this point. Um, one of the things that I had, uh, I know you keep mentioning that, that Jim Harbaugh is gone if, if he doesn't make the playoff this year for some reason. Um, but honestly, and this is a serious take, I think that at some point uh, we're going to see Jim Harbaugh exchange his sweater and khakis for shoulder pads and a helmet. He has to save his career somehow. Uh, like I said earlier in one of our shows, he I don't know that he'll be fired, but I do think that Zach's somewhat right. I think that he'll be pushed in the direction of the NFL uh, if they can't pull out a win against Ohio State, if they can't at least make a playoff push this year. I mean, so so he might strap on a helmet this weekend. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, because you got to remember, next week they have Notre Dame coming in. Yeah, that's who true. looks really good. So I mean, if they end up going eight and four and losing their bowl game, and he gives you an eight and five record, can you justify keeping them? Because I can't. I can't even make an argument to keep them. 
my only argument is he's Jim Harbaugh, and I guess that's not a solid argument. I'll that's a horrible that. argument. No, I don't. Okay, but uh, and like coming said, from the heart guy, coming I mean, from I the am, heart guy, I am the heart guy, and you need a heart, and that's what keeps you alive, Zach. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I don't have I don't have too many more thoughts on this one. I think that I mean showing up to Penn State, Happy Valley is a loud stadium. It's a huge stadium, and especially during this whiteout game, I mean they've lost it the past couple of years. Whatever, that's still an intimidating. <laughs> I mean that's still an intimidating uh, atmosphere. Uh, I don't I don't know that Michigan can uh, keep up with Penn State in this one. I do think they cover. Uh, I think it's, I think it'll be a really good game to watch. Um, so if you don't have anything else to do, be sure to watch this game. Uh, it's sure to excite. But I don't have any more thoughts on this one. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. Uh, so that wraps up pick six. And now we have upset of the week. Everyone knows how hot Zach and I are on our upsets of the week. We're not doing great. But we're going to keep trying. Uh... Uh, Zach, don't act like you're doing good. What's your record? What so I went, uh, I'm 500. That's that's pretty that's pretty good, bro. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I mean, I guess you'd be in the Hall of Fame if this were baseball, but there it's you go, not. Bro. It's not. So uh, go ahead and I want to hear this <laughs> first. All right. So I have Tulane over Memphis. Cupcake. Uh, this cupcake. Easy. I mean, I mean, you made fun of me it's for a, choosing easy ones. It's but. a five point spread, bro. Uh, it's not even a touchdown. Oh my lord! You're so fake, bro. You you picked like a what a one point? No, you picked an even game last week, bro. It wasn't even. No, okay, last week. Yes, last yes. week. Even no. if it wasn't even, it was a one point game, bro. Zach, I'm trying. I'm trying to give you help on your argument. My game. When I uh, looked at it, my team was the underdog, and by the time we recorded, my team was the favorite. So, yeah, true. And then they still and you still lost. <laughs> I'm not doing great, Zach. Uh, someone check on Brandon. Um, someone check on me. <laughs> uh, but no kidding, man. But Memphis is coming off a loss to Temple. They were down, I believe it was 21 to nothing in the first half. It was just a terrible game for Memphis. They almost came back and won, but almost does not count in college football. You know, and Tulane has looked elite this year. Listen, breathe. Deep breaths by AAC standards. AAC standards, they look elite. They're not Clemson. They're not Alabama. Elite is just talking about how they look compared to the other teams in their conference. Their offense has been clicking. Justin McMillan's thrown for over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. The Tulane, Tulane has a statistically better defense and offense. They will make enough plays to win this game. And if they win this game, guys, they will be 6-1 and one with only a loss to Auburn on the road. They will be ranked next week. And you can put my, you can put your money on it. You know, this isn't in our gambling corner segment. Go put your money on Tulane over Memphis. All right. I, I actually agree with you there. I think Tulane wins this game. They're, they're a really good team, especially this season. Uh, so you, you, you spoke about Temple uh, beating Memphis last week, and that actually moves on. That, that relates to my upset of the week. I have Temple upsetting SMU this weekend. Temple's a seven-and-a-half-point dog, uh, so that's more than a touchdown. But uh, the reason I think that they beat SMU is because SMU is still undefeated. I think they're getting a little bit too comfortable at this point in the season. Temple's obviously shown us that they can, they can pull out wins. I mean, they're 5-1 and one right now. I mean, they're looking pretty good. Uh, they beat this Memphis team last week. I think they're still hot. I think they keep rolling. They beat this SMU team. And – for anyone who doesn't know my take on SMU, I think that SMU is probably undefeated just because they decided they can't get a second death penalty, so they're probably cheating again. But that doesn't matter. Temple comes into this game. They whoop up on SMU. They went outright. Uh, end of story. I, I don't I don't mind that pick. I think that's going to be a toss-up game. I think that can go either way. So maybe you'll get, what, your first win of the year? Uh, it'll be my second. I won the first week. I've been on a oh, real boy, losing bro. streak. I've been on a real losing streak. Like I need this more. Dude, than- I'm four. I'm like four and four, bro. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm definitely one and seven right now. So hopefully, oh. hopefully for my sake, um, I win this game. So let's go ahead and move you know, on. What the to, hell? Yeah, let's go ahead and move <laughs> on to our next segment. We have storylines, and Zach, I'm gonna let you go ahead and do yours first. Yeah, guys. So my storyline is 
um, you know, a story about Jeremy Pruitt, who is the oh, head boy. coach for, you know, Tennessee. So if you didn't see his interview, you know, we got credit. We got permission to use this video. Shout out to Marshall Hughes. Um, he is the sports director for Six News. Uh, thank you for letting us use this video. Go check out WATE Sports on Twitter. Um, but in case you didn't hear it, so here is Jeremy Pruitt's thoughts on his game plan for Alabama. You know, I was thinking about, you know, there's a, there's a high school team over in Arkansas. You know, they, they, they always onside kick, okay? They, always, they never punt, you know, because I, I don't know. I've never seen them play. I always hear people talk about it, you know? Um, in fact, they played one of the – I think they played one of the high school teams here in, the, in, in our state this year. Somebody was talking about it. So, you know, we've really kind of considered that as our game plan. Um, just don't give them the ball, you know, uh, if we can do that. Um, so – Yikes. Yeah, man. It's a bold strategy. I mean, very, very, very bold strategy. But, you know, this is, uh, you know, we're a hot take factory. I think this might work personally. I mean, something has to work. or Well, well, I guess it doesn't have to work. But Tennessee (laughs) has to pull out everything that they can against Alabama, I guess. And if this is the strategy, then I guess so be it. I mean – what, what's going to happen? They lose? Oh, no. Who was expecting them to win? I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, so I broke this down. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was thinking, I'm like, you know, what would this work if we really, really looked at it, right? So Bama will most likely score in anyway, correct? Like, do we all agree that Tennessee probably doesn't have the defense that's going to shut Alabama down? Yes. But we all can agree on that, right? Yes. Okay. So they don't have a field goal kicker. We know that. So they can't hit a field goal. So yeah, so yeah, they might be in field goal range, kind of. But I mean, odds are they're probably going to miss it. That's a positive. Good point. You know, you have a fifty-fifty shot at getting every ball. If you kick it deep, you have maybe what a five percent chance that they fumble it or something crazy happens. So that's a way better odds statistically. You know, I've taken a few stats classes. Fifty-fifty is a lot better than five percent. Brag, dude. Yeah. Uh, and then you can switch switch up kick designs, Ben. Go, look at that high school tape and see if you can design some cool onside kicks to catch Bama off guard. You know, personally, I see no downside to this plan. You know, and if you think I'm crazy, you think I'm stupid, uneducated, whatever you want to say, then what is your plan? Do you have a better plan to stop Tua and all the, the non-headed wide receiver monster that is Alabama's offense? Because I bet you don't. Because there are people that get paid millions <laughs> that don't. So I'm going with onside kick it every single time, Jeremy Pruitt. No, Let's like see it. it. This is much must-watch TV if he does it. Yeah, uh, and everyone knows my take on kickers after the Rodrigo Blankenship uh, segment this earlier in this episode. Uh, kickers are the nerds of the football team. Uh, they're not – I mean, I guess they're football players, but they're really just soccer players. Uh, cool, you can kick the ball that far. Oh, but if you're an onside kicker, like if that's your specialty, that's like being a knuckleball pitcher in baseball. It makes you automatically a million times cooler. I can get on board with an onside kicker. Um, I think this is Tennessee's strategy, and they have to stick to it. Uh, maybe maybe try something like try to kick the ball as hard as you can at uh, the first <laughs> line of returners at Alabama and maybe just injure their front line, and then maybe you win. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that, that's oh, my, my take. I, I think onside kicking could work. I think trying to injure the other team could also work. So uh, I'm not I, I'm not paid uh, to analyze sports uh, for a good reason. So take that with a grain of salt. And I mean, like, does Jeremy Pruitt have a lot of job security? So like, I say he just no. says, I say he just says screw it, and like, you know, you know, he could try all kind of cool stuff. You know, put your offensive tackle at running back. You never know what could happen. You know, it could be like the fridge, 1985 throwback. You know, I see a lot of creativity from Jeremy Pruitt. He might save his job because what if they won, you know? And then, like, it'll change college football forever because everyone would just onside kick for the rest of eternity. It would be legendary. Jeremy Pruitt, make my dreams come true, even though I know you won't. No, he never does. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite <laughs> things. <laughs> I definitely didn't make Tennessee's dreams come true. No, uh, no, but I would respect him. Um, 
I like it just for the novelty of it. Maybe, yeah, maybe try out a couple different things. Zach said the left tackle running back. Good idea. I think that's just a fullback on steroids. But I like that. Uh, I think Tennessee fans will like that. Even if they don't win, at least their football games will be fun to watch finally. So, uh, yeah, good idea. Um, Jeremy Pruitt, you might save your job by doing this. So uh, listen to the two college kids who just have a podcast and don't listen to the boosters (laughs) at all. Um, so, we got the real money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know us. Um, so uh, uh, let's go ahead and move on to my storyline then. Um, and my storyline <laughs> is from an article uh, that comes from the New York Times. And so the New York Times, essentially, they, they took a poll uh, trying to find out what the biggest rivalries in sports were. Uh, this article came out on <laughs> October 14th. And, oh, my goodness, was it amazing because the number one rivalry in all of sports, not just college football, turned out to be Arizona and Arizona State. That's right. <laughs> all of sports. I'm not talking just college football. And even if I was, it's a little absurd, to be honest with you. Um, if you were to tell me, and I know both of these teams are in the Pac-12, and not only that, but they're both in the Pac-12 South, but if someone told me that Arizona and Arizona State didn't play every year, I'd probably believe them. Uh, so in honor of this just being totally wrong and uh, just absurd in every single way possible. Zach and I have both chosen have both chosen five rivalries that are better Jeez. than Arizona <laughs> Arizona State college football. Uh, so uh, we're gonna snake draft it. We're gonna start at five, go down to one. Zach, go ahead and hit us with your first pick. So my number five top rivalry of all time is the Red River rivalry. Pretty good. Uh, I think this is a great you know, historic matchup, you know, it's a, it's, you know, like our guest Chris Plank said a few episodes ago, it's very unique in that it's one of the only rivalries that, you know, it's 50, 50 neutral site. It goes way back. It's usually always competitive. Both teams are usually pretty good. Both teams have historically dominated college football at one point or another, won a national championship. I love it. Red river rivalry is one of my favorite things. 11 a.m., Every day, every time in the middle of the season, I can't get enough of it. That is my number five. Yeah, uh, great pick. That is much better than Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, I wanted to make my next pick uh, have something to do with Arizona, to make Arizona feel like they're not being totally left out of this conversation. So for my number five pick uh, in rivalries that are better than Arizona, Arizona State, I've got Arizonans versus education that's right that's my number one that's my number five rivalry <laughs> this list. Uh, what yeah so i'm just gonna leave it at that that's that's better than arizona arizona state uh my second rivalry is going to be uh the confederate states of america versus the united states of america uh that was a big rivalry <laughs> back in the day as a matter of fact it's still a pretty big rivalry um i i stay out of it i don't like it very much I'm with the United oh, States, I guess, because I can't be with the Confederates. That's, <laughs> that's very problematic now. Um, and really always. So that oh, is much better than Lord. Arizona, Arizona State. Zach, what is your fourth pick? Oh, my Lord. I did not know we were going there with it. Uh, so, guys, I, I guess I went way too serious with this. Uh, for number four, I have Yankees versus Red Sox. Um I think this is that this is the best rivalry in Major League Baseball. I don't even think it's a debate. I mean, do I have to say more about this matchup? I mean, two of the most historic baseball, you know, teams ever. I mean, do y'all get excited for this matchup? Because I do. I really am not a huge baseball fan, but I'll watch this. Yeah, I mean, that's a good rivalry. Much better than Arizona, Arizona State. And with number three, what do you have? Oh, man. I have Michigan-Ohio State. Also a good rivalry. Yeah. I think this is the second-best rivalry in college football. Uh, I mean, there's always back and forth about what's the best rivalry in college football. You know, this game's also always at 11 a.m. I'll take it because it stays out of the way of the best rivalry in football. But, you know, this is great matchup, historic matchup, has – has multiple Heisman winners, national championships. It's competitive. I'll take it. Michigan, Ohio State's great. Plus, when you ban a whole letter because of a football game, that's legendary. That is legendary. I like it. Uh, with my number three, I'm going to go with the civil conflict. Uh, that is UConn versus UCF. <laughs> 
what? We spent an entire segment talking about how bad oh, this was, but it's better than Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, Central Florida doesn't even recognize this rivalry, and that's how much better it is than Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, with my number two rivalry, I've got Bloods versus Crips. Uh, another big rivalry, especially, I mean, <laughs> gang wars are pretty good, I guess. Um, uh, man, so much bigger. It's so much more than just football, and, and it's, it's bigger than sports, really. Uh, so I've got Bloods versus Crips, my number two. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, I have the Iron Bowl as my number two rivalry. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, I think this is the best rivalry in college football. A little bit biased, just maybe. Um, but – I don't think anything take. I don't think anything rivals this rivalry. I've been to it uh, for the past four years. Nothing's better than this rivalry. I think this is the most competitive rivalry. You know, both these teams have won national championships, competed for SEC championships. Uh, this is a great rivalry, historic as well. Got Heisman winners. You got national championships. You got legendary coaches. You got Southern drunks. What more do you need? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, and so, before I give my number one, I want to give an honorary rivalry. Okay. Go ahead. And it's Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. Okay. I, okay. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing this today. <laughs> Kick um, while I'm down, I guess. As we all know, Clayton Kershaw hates the playoffs. Yeah. And the playoffs <laughs> beat him down every year. And especially the eighth inning when you give up two home runs. I was in a good mood. When you're up all game. I was in a good mood. So that is my honorary top five robbery. But for my number one, I have Celtics versus Lakers. Okay. I think this is the best robbery in the world. I think this is um, this is just must-see TV, especially back in the day. When ESPN does a three-part 30 for 30 on just one matchup, that pretty much solidifies your place as the best matchup in the world. I, I look forward to this. Personally, as a Celtics fan, I love it. I think the Celtics are better than the Lakers anyway. The Lakers are overrated. Uh, but this is the best rivalry in sports. Yeah, um, I like that rivalry. Uh, with my number one rivalry, I have Duke-UNC basketball. Um, we're going to finish this one Ooh, off on a That's a note. good one. Good rivalry. Good I can't one. believe no one took it. Um, that's my number one rivalry. Uh, everyone knows how important this matchup is for college basketball year in, year out. And so uh, definitely a better matchup than Arizona Arizona State. Uh, I'll leave it at that. So there you have it. There's ten rivalries that, that are more deeply rooted, uh, more recognizable, and much more fun than Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, if nothing else, this storyline has uh, given us a little bit of insight to how ridiculous we are as a people. Um, I, I wasted one of my free uh, New York Times article views on this today. So you get four of those a month in case you didn't know. Uh, I use one of them. I want mine back. I'll be filing a, uh, a discrepancy with the New York Times. I need my, I need my time back. Um, but there, there it is. There's our storyline segment of this week. Uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. And we're going to move on to our next segment, Hot Takes. Hot Takes is a segment that we started out with last week. Uh, it, it turned out pretty well, and so we're going to keep doing it. And I'll let Zach introduce our topic today. Yeah, so Hot Takes is kind of like a debate-style format, you know, on our show. It's where we take a controversial topic in sports, specifically college football, and we talk about it, give our opinions, argue about it. We did paying college football players last time. Go check it out. Um, it was a few episodes ago. I don't remember what episode, so go look at the description. But today, we're going to be talking about should college, should high school football players be able to skip college and go straight to the NFL? So, Brandon, what is your take on this? My take is that I don't think that football players should have to go to college uh, to be able to play professional football. Um, I, I think that college is an institution of higher learning. Uh, I think it's that I think it's something that you know people are cut out for, or they're not. Uh, you shouldn't have to go to college to be able to play uh, professional football. I mean, that's just my opinion. It, it's not. I mean, you're not going to learn anything in the classroom that you're going to need to know for for professional football. 
Um, I definitely don't think that the step should be just from high school straight into the NFL. I think there should be some kind of buffer, like maybe, and I know that this argument was something that the AAF didn't want to do. I think that they might still be around today if, if they did, uh, if they were open to it, um, if they were open to being like, like a mediator between high school or, or like an alternative to college, basically for players. Like if, if they ended up being like a minor league um, organization for the NFL, uh, that would be my ideal situation. I, I think that, you know, you could go to college, colleges and still offer uh, scholarships and we'd still all have college football. I mean, we know and love it. Uh, and I know that my take right now is kind of taking away from the whole point of this podcast. Uh, but I don't think that players should be forced to go, you know, learn in a classroom when, you know, they might be struggling there and that might affect what they do on the field. I think that it's unfair. Um, and I don't think that it's necessary. Mm, mm, mm. I do like the idea of like a minor league system, but I don't think that's like in the realm of possibility right now. Right. So my answer, I, in all caps on my page, I have hell no. Okay. I will. Yeah. Uh, I, so people, People always argue that, you know, the NBA does it, the MLB does it. But the physicality difference between the NBA and MLB compared to the NFL is just astronomical. Are we really going to, like, compare, say, basketball is just as physical as football? No. And I know we're definitely not going to argue that with MLB with, you know, the outfielders standing by themselves for four and a half hours. Uh, You know – there's a difference. I mean, there there is like scientifically a difference between grown men and young adults, and some of these people are kids. I mean, you know, are, is the argument really going to be that an 18 year old kid is this, is you know physically the same as a 35 year old man? No. Like, like I mean, I get that your fat neighbor may not be able to hang with the 18 year old, you know, five star recruit, but I promise you, Miles Garrett can handle him. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from here. I guess my main discrepancy with this is that uh, we're, we're forcing these athletes to have to be able to pass in the classroom to be able to make it to the NFL one day. I, I mean, we, there, there have been obvious – I mean, I mean, there have been problems with this in the past, and there will continue to be problems with this because it's not like the NBA where it's one and done. You can't go to – I mean, you can't go to school for basically a semester – and then not show up second semester, just play basketball or just play football. You have to stay for at least three years, and then you can be drafted to the NFL. And that's not even promised. I mean, you might have to stay for four years. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that's like – so as someone who does tutor, like, for the athletic department, I mean, these kids, like, some of the classes they're allowed to take are, like, nothing – I mean. It's literally like one assignment is like go take pictures of these buildings, put it in a Word document, and turn it in for 100 points. Yeah. I mean, that's not a class, bro. These kids aren't out here taking calculus three yeah. and differential equations. I mean, they're taking communication and public speaking. Like that, They're going to need both of those skills that even when they go to the NFL, when they start interviewing with the media. They, I mean – they're not making them take just ridiculously hard classes unless they want to. And there's situations where they do take hard classes, which yeah. is great. Those are the kids who wanted to go to college. Exactly. But, but I still don't think that them taking some college classes and being able to go to for free and getting a degree that will help them after the NFL and in the NFL is a bad thing. And the athletic department spends so much money each year getting these kids the resources they need to just – pass i mean literally and the athletes have so much more opportunities to get tutors to get help to have access to test banks to have all this type of stuff have study guides made for them and you know that's stuff that normal college kids definitely don't get the opportunity to have so even though it might not be their direct career path i mean there's kids that would skip college thinking they don't want to go and then they would go to the NFL and find out they're not as good as they thought they were and be out in two years, and then what are they doing? Yeah, and I can definitely see, like, your perspective from this. I, I, I can see what you're saying, that this college degree will help them in the long run. I mean, I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, as the NFL progresses, uh, players are retiring earlier and earlier. I mean, that's not always the case, but we do see that a lot. 
uh, we see players that end up getting hurt and then they end up, yeah. you know, I mean, they, they spent all the money they made from the NFL and now what? I mean, they, they don't have a degree because maybe they left after three years um, or, or they got a degree in something that they can't apply themselves in after the NFL. So they end up losing, I mean, most of the money they made and then where are they, what are they left with? I mean, they're left without a degree. They're left uh, with a useless degree. But at the same time, I don't think that it's fair to make someone who doesn't want to get this degree get it. Uh, I mean, that would be like – I mean, that would be like making – I mean, any anybody get a degree. Uh, you can't make people go to college. I mean, I get, I understand that playing in the NFL is a privilege, not a right, um, and that one of the uh, prerequisites to be able to play in the NFL is that you have to play uh, football elsewhere. And, and a lot of the time that is uh, – that is college football, um, especially since there's no intermediate league between high school um, and the NFL besides college. Uh, but maybe we'll see some kind of difference. I don't know. I know that the XFL draft was this week. I don't know if that's going to be something that players can play out of high school. I think you also have to play out of college for that. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I, th- I think right now you do. Yeah, so maybe that'll end up changing. Maybe they'll see some of the mistakes that the AAF made, at least in my opinion, and they'll allow players to come out of high school. They they have to be drafted, though. I I think I don't think that there are any free agents as of right now. Uh, players do have to be drafted, or at least that's how it's looked this week. I mean, the draft has been this week, so that's why I'm saying that. But yeah. uh, I mean, I, I I'm gonna stay firm in my take. I, I don't think that you should make anybody do anything. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about America, in my opinion. You can't make people <laughs> do anything they don't want to do. Except um, pay taxes. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are laws. Let's not – I mean, there, there are things <laughs> that you, I guess you have to do. Yeah. But, like, but people have – I mean, they have destiny over their own freedom. Um, that's true. But I, 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 mean, guess, I, I guess I understand your point saying that the NFL is – I mean, it's a privilege. It's not a right. Yeah. I mean, everyone who and, wants to play in the NFL can't just play in the NFL because they want to. Yeah. And, like, I mean, if we're really being, like, logical about this, right, how many players out of high school are really ready to go play and start in the NFL? Oh, no. I mean, I if mean, you, you're if right. like, you honestly – like, I'd say less than 5% would even get a snap out of high school. I mean, think about the best player from your high school and then imagine them going from their senior season at your high school – to play with, I mean, to play with the best defensive players in the world, to play with the best, I mean, the best football players in the entire world coming straight out of high school. I understand there are risks associated with that, and that's why it will never happen where you can go straight from high school to the NFL because, I mean, especially with, with concerns over player safety now, uh, which yeah. I think is the right move. I think that we do need to be concerned about that, especially when we're learning more and more about CTE and the consequences of that down the road for players. Um, we have to understand, uh, that players that are coming fresh out of high school should not be ready to play in the NFL. Um, and so they do need to play in college. I think there's a little bit of a jump from high school to college, and then there's still a giant leap from college to the NFL. And that leap just gets, I mean, exponentially larger if you're going high school to NFL. So I understand. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, each NFL team is, you got to think about this, like, even the players that sit the bench and on the practice squad for NFL teams are probably legends at their high school. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean the NFL be- is, uh, it's just each NFL team is made up of the, be- of some of the best players from every college across the nation. I mean, Joe Flacco came from Delaware state. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. No, I know. Uh, and, 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 and like, imagine people that are really good in college that couldn't make it in the NFL. I mean, let's take Jamarcus Russell, for instance. I mean, he was a yeah. great college player. He couldn't make it in the NFL because he didn't want to apply himself there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Johnny Manziel won the Heisman. Yeah. And he Tim Tebow won the Heisman. He played, yeah. he played a year. He started for a year, and then after that, you know, what happened to him? He's, yeah. playing, he's playing minor league baseball, and he's on yeah, SEC that's, Nation. That's tough, bro. That's tough. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, that that's our hot take segment this week. Um, uh, our hot take segment is – basically where I'm Brandon and Zach is Stephen A. Smith. Uh, and we just argue about things. So um, <laughs> God. that wraps that up for this week. Um, and so to cap off today's episode, we have Brandon's gambling corner. It's, it's, it's a good segment. Let's not beat around the bush here. 
So let's go ahead and give everybody our pick, Zach. Let's cue up that music and let's get started. My first pick of this weekend, I've got Texas Tech money line over Iowa State. Texas Tech has been looking incredible this season. They've gone into overtime with a couple of teams. They pulled out one win. They pulled out, I mean, several wins, not just one. But they pulled out one overtime win. I think they beat Iowa State outright this weekend. Iowa State's a six-point favorite. That doesn't even matter. Texas Tech wins. Take the money line. They're plus 230. Win some of your money back. I know you've been losing. We don't gamble. We don't even need to win our money back. We're going to watch all you guys make all your money back this week off of this pick alone. <laughs> if you want a surefire pick, guys, LSU over Mississippi State. Oh, LSU I had that too. LSU is only a 19.5 point favorite. Bet your paycheck. Bet your child support. Whatever you want to do, get your money this weekend. Take the LSU Tigers over the Mississippi Bulldogs. They got beat by Tennessee last week. LSU is going to hurt them dogs worse than Booby Whitlow did. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I call, we called this game a bye week for a reason. LSU wins by three touchdowns. Easy. It's not even close. I also picked this game if you can't tell. So I'm down to my chase game of the week. I'm going to let Zach do his third, his second game now. Yeah. Stanford over UCLA, guys. Stanford Let's is a seven and a half point favorite. UCLA's trash. Chip Kelly's trash. California's trash. Take Stanford. I know Stanford's in California. Everything outside of Stanford, trash. Take trash. Stanford. Win another paycheck. Win your child support back. Feed your kid. Get your money this weekend. Let's do it. In my chase game of the week, this is everyone's favorite pick because it always hits. I've got Hawaii over Air Force money line. Hawaii <laughs> is the underdog. They're playing on the island. They can't lose on the island. Go ahead and book it. Put whatever money you want on it. Put your mortgage money on it. Win it again for the next three months. They're plus 130 on the money line. That's an easy win. I've never seen an easier win. Air Force's mascot, Aurora, died. They're without a Falcon right now. Hawaii has to win this game. The Rainbow Warriors will destroy. They'll kill the second Aurora. It doesn't even matter. That's our gambling corner this week. So, uh, everyone, go ahead and take our picks. Win all your money back. doesn't matter if you lose. It's not real money. Me and Zach aren't betting, so it doesn't count. <laughs> Brandon retired, guys. Brandon retired. Yes, I did. Uh, and that's going to be our show for this week. So uh, that's our that's our preview episode. Um, I think it went over pretty well. I always love our preview episodes. I say that at the end of every single one of them. It's our better episode for sure. Um, recaps are great, but previews, there's so much to look forward to. Uh, it, it, it's like future Brandon and future Zach have so many games they can watch. And so I guess I'm just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed over, over these matchups. <laughs> but uh, – I want to go ahead and thank everyone for listening again. Uh, you know, we, we've been getting up up there and viewers and listeners. Um, we're getting up there and followers on social media. Zach, I'm going to go and let you plug that real quick. Yeah, guys. So go follow us on Instagram. We post on there all the time. Please interact with us. Um, it is at the underscore blue bloods. Um, go like all our posts, you know, interact with everybody. Uh, do your thing. Um, on Twitter, it is at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Uh, you know how the calculus scout be, you know, I kind of want to take over and, you know, put some math equations on there, but I'll, I'll try to get it for, you know, the podcast, I guess. Yeah. We'd even um, help them out. It's not like we just want it. I mean, we do want it for ourselves, but even if we didn't have access to it, we might like pay homage to them. We might post a few equations, maybe some homework <laughs> tips. <laughs> But post like an equation for QBR that everyone kind of wonders what it is. No uh, one understands it, but I love it. It's so trash. But on Facebook, guys, it is at the Blue Bloods Pod. Go follow us on there. We post on there as well. Um, you know, just interact. You know, go find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, wherever you want to listen. Go leave us a five star review on. Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, we appreciate it. Y'all are the best. And shout out to you guys. Yeah, shout out everybody for listening. Um, keep listening. Uh, you know, keep up with us. Send us a DM. Do whatever you need to do. Leave us a review. We'll read it on the show. Um, but until next time, we're out.